feeling that beat, you guys. Thank you for tuning in to Real Talking with Little Mama, Chicana Style. Now, the beat is not the only thing that's fire in this podcast, you guys, because in this podcast, we talk about every topic, anything and everything life. There is a little bit of Spanglish involved, and of course, you get that little sprinkle of spice, that Chicana's perspective. That's me, you guys. I'm your host, Little Mama. I'm Chicana. I have Mexican and Guatemalan descended, accented roots, you guys. But of course, I was born in the U.S. of A. So I like to bring all that flavor and all that culture and just mix it up into what becomes a beautiful Chicana style podcast. So go follow me at Instagram at Real Talking with Little Mama. Submit any topics you'd like me to cover throughout my weekly podcast drops, and I will try to incorporate or theme an episode around your topic. So without any further ado, mi gente, let's jump in. Happy Friday, happy Friday. I'm telling you guys that beat, it just puts me in the moment like I got this. <laughs> uh, happy Friday, you guys. I hope you guys have had a, a fairly easy week. We're not too many bumps, you know, down the week road. Um, I hope you guys have some great plans for this weekend. Shoot, I know I do, but, you know, I can't tell you. <laughs> You guys might see some pictures on my Instagram page this weekend that'll give away what I'm doing. But for now, I'm just going to keep it a secret. Um, All right, you guys. This week's episode is slightly different, right? It's a little bit different than our general, you know, uh, personal stories and, and, and relationship and parenting kind of kind of route and we're getting a little bit more sophisticated this week a little bit more educated we're getting into the boring stuff of financials you guys so this week I am dubbing this podcast episode financials 101 and and this is gonna be like everything I have learned over the course of my life And I also want to highlight before I begin how this episode came about. And it was actually from two personal experiences that all happened within one week of each other. The first was I was having a conversation and I ain't going to say that person's name because she knows who she is. But I was having a conversation with uh, one of my one of my siblings, you guys, okay, my my kin, my blood, and it blew my mind because this sibling, who of course is younger, had no idea what interest rate was, or or where it came from, or like what it was included. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, make fun of anybody who doesn't know this, but I guess I had been in this like grown up world I guess you can call it where I've I've been managing my own finances I've I've 
I've learned a lot over these last 13 years I've been married because it was literally a, a, a learning experience into the financial world because I didn't know about it. And that's, that's where this stems from. It became apparent to me that we in the Latino culture community just do not teach our kids enough about financial 101 basics, you guys. And I think it's personally because um, growing up with my mama, whew, you even put your hand in that woman's purse and she would smack you. Like if I asked her anything about her money, she'd always tell me it's none of your business. And she was absolutely right. It is none of my business. But where I do feel she and so many other Latina mamas fail in is that we are so into a your kids don't need to know your business mentality that we forget. We forget to teach them basics so that when they grow up, they don't go out there not knowing what an interest rate was. And uh, to throw it out there, I had a talk with my mama when this sibling approached me and had no idea what an interest rate was. And I had a conversation with my mama and I told the mama, what? This is your offspring. What happened? And we were just... We was just laughing too much to really address the issue. But it became apparent to me that I think we just grow up in this mentality, you know, financials are none of my business, that we forget to teach our kids as mamas basics of financial responsibility, financial no's and, and, and don'ts, you know, and that's that's where this passion came from. It, it was apparent I needed to talk about it. Um, the second thing came about with another family member's um, a situation where a car was involved and the purchase of a vehicle and the notion that the person thought the deal they got on this car was a good one. And I'm here to tell you guys right now, that was by far what really, that was a horrible deal. But they didn't know any better. And if they did deep down inside, well, then that was just dumb judgment. But they just didn't know better. And then, again, it became apparent to me that not enough people know about this stuff so that they can be educated or at least a little bit more like, mm, no, that, that don't sound good. Let me let me look into that kind of notion. And that's that's why we're here today, you guys, because I asked you guys on Instagram who felt they really understood the the financial world or even basics. And I was not surprised when most people said they did it. And that's okay. I don't I don't feel that anybody's fault other than parents. And and it's not like in a bad thing. Like I said, I called my mama and I was like, what the heck? Um, but it, it's just more of like a it was like more of a slap in the face. Wow, this is a real thing and we need to talk about it. This is a perfect podcast episode to to share everything that I've learned. And before I jump into more of like what I feel I can teach you guys, let me just tell you guys. I, I you guys all know I got married when I was 18. Uh no, just kidding. 19. I got married when I was 19. I didn't know jack scrottily diddly about anything i had had already a credit card at that time um and i had just gotten months before my marriage my own 
car with a car note. And if you don't know what a car note is, that's just a fancy way of saying your monthly car note payment. Uh, so it was my car note. And I mean, my husband and I were so young and so dumb that we racked up those that credit card like quick. I mean, you blink quick. I mean, we had to buy stuff for the new apartment. We had nothing. We didn't have plates. We didn't have cups. We didn't have freaking uh, tongs. We, we, we didn't have soup. I mean, nothing. So when you're starting out, that's like a little tidbit to know. Don't think that, oh, I can't wait to move out of my mama's house. Because yes, the freedom and the liberty to do whatever you want is amazing. But I guarantee you, if you are not in a financial good place at least with a job a good I'm not talking a part-time job for 20 hours and you get a minimum wage that ain't a good job that's that's an okay job okay I'm talking about a job that is full-time because you finished school or a job that is you're on a salary it's not an hourly it's a salary that's when you know it got a good job if you're getting those medical dental vision the 401k with the match I mean life insurance all of that that's a great job. That's where you need to be for you to move out, okay? If you are not there, don't move out because you are going to do yourself more harm. And I'm not talking about you ain't going to succeed. I'm just talking about your road to success is going to be a lot harder and maybe a lot longer than somebody who would have just stayed at home, worked on themselves financially, and then moved out when they are able so 18, 19-year-olds, I'm telling you from experience, the hype of moving out and all that freedom, liberty, it ain't as great as it sounds, okay? Um, I mean, I am talking, my husband and I got so caught up in the fact that I had a credit card and then he got a credit card and then buying it and then living, you know, essentially the dream. It never dawned on us. I know how dumb this is going to sound, but it just never dawned on us that, hey, when you use a credit card, guess what? You got to pay it back. <laughs> Something as simple as that just Went through, we just kept, yeah, yeah, we're gonna pay it back, we're gonna pay it. No, 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 no. I mean, you pay it back plus interest. And then, you know, depending on how much you use of your credit card, you gotta be worrying about, you know, there's a guideline. They say never use more than 30% of your available balance. I mean, not a balance, your credit limit. So, that means if you're approved for $1,000 on a credit card, don't use more than $300 because that's 30% of the credit limit. Because if you do that, it's not that it's horrible. You know, if you want to use 50, 60%, that's not horrible. But what happens is it drops your credit score um, rate. Like your credit score number goes down when you're credit utilization rate is more than 30%. And that's just across the board. So let's say you have two credit cards, right? And they both put together, you got, uh, let's say $6,000 um, in total between both credit cards. Just don't use more than $2,000 in those credit cards to stay 30% or below. That's a great credit utilization score. And 
and creditors, when they're approving you for credit, they look at that, they look at your score, and having that below the 30% or at 30% helps your score be a great score. Like, I'm talking 650 score. And, I mean, there's a lot of other factors involved. It's paying your monthly bills on time. Now, there are certain payments that allow you to have a 10 to 15 day grace period that doesn't affect your score. By all means, if you need to use that, use that time, but don't create a bad habit by telling yourself, oh, I'm going to pay it on my 10th day of grace period. No, 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 no. Get yourself in the habit of paying your bills, if not the day before or two days or a week early, at least the day of. Because you don't want to have a bad record that you don't pay your payments on time every month. And you don't want to show that you use your credit cards like crazy. That's essentially what that credit utilization means. If you're at 60 or 90 or even 100% of credit utilization, they're going to be like, whoa, we're not lending you any more money. You've maxed out all your credit cards. Even if you pay them on time, this shows me you just maxing out credit cards, right? And it it dings you on your credit score. So all of these things matter. And like I said, you guys, 18, 19, you don't want to mess up your credit. This is, and this is why I say it. My husband and I were so naive. I'm telling you, just that young, dumb, naive mentality. We had to file. It is super personal, but you know what? It is what it is, and it was my past, and it taught us a lot. Let me tell you. We had to file bankruptcy at the age of, he was 21, 22. Okay, we'd only been married three, four years. So imagine how bad financially we had to have been for us to to get to a point that we needed to get an attorney to file bankruptcy. That's how poor and just horribly we managed ourselves. And there is nobody to blame but us. And I say that because taking accountability on your stupidity is a grown-up thing to do and we I mean I'm not gonna lie we had our moments where it's not it's your fault no it's your fault and you know then that started like um relationship arguments but it was it was both of our fault we did not stop ourselves from using those credit cards we didn't stop ourselves from continue I mean we just didn't even think honestly we never thought once of our credit score we never thought how it affect us in the long run we never thought how we would pay it back we never sat there and thought okay can we use the credit card because we know we can we just never thought we just did and that was our biggest downfall we just kept using and using and using and then eventually we realized shit we got to pay this back and then it went shoot we don't got money and then it was like working and working and working and we were constantly with these part-time jobs to pay off debt we were no longer working or what is that saying working to live we were living to work right and then it it was horrible and that i'm telling you the number one one maybe not the number one but it has to be the top three reasons why why relationships don't work out is always because there was some kind of money or financial stress involved that couples just cannot overcome because I'm telling you, it sucks when you cannot enjoy one another because you're constantly worrying about what other job you need to get to pay it off and what other, and it's always money, 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 money. Like, it's just not a great place to 
be. And it was hard. And it was embarrassing. We didn't tell anybody for a while. I think the only person who knew was maybe my mama. But that was because I needed advice on, you know, I didn't know anything about filing for bankruptcy. So I learned all about that on my own. And in and, and, and this trial and error situation of life, like, it's horrible. And I just don't want our younger people to be in that same position because they don't know better. So, whew, I kind of went on a tangent there now I think about it. But, like, what I'm saying is if you, if you hear, like, there's so many things tied into this. So, the first thing, interest rate, right? I mentioned it at the beginning. Interest rates is a percentage that any loan company so if you're getting a credit card it's essentially a loan if you're getting a car and you're gonna finance it that's a loan from a bank if you're getting a house and that's another loan any loan you get from any bank institution or any loan institution comes with interest rate nothing is free Okay, let me repeat that. Nothing is free. What you can occasionally get is a nice promotion that they're having where they tell you, hey, if you open up a credit card, you get 0% interest rate for the first six months or for the first 12 months. Now, what that means is if you get that credit card and they give you a $3,000 credit limit and a credit limit, just to backtrack, is the amount of money they're giving you to use on this card. That's your max, $3,000. And they tell you, hey, if for signing up, we're going to give you a 0% interest rate or APR rate for six months. That means that anything, if you use $2,000 on that credit card in those first six months, they will not charge you interest rate every single time you pay your bill. However, if you cannot pay off those $2,000 before the six months promotion period ends, you will begin to pay interest rates, meaning that seventh month rolls in. And if your credit card balance is still $2,000, guess what? Now they're going to get you on your interest rate. So it's a nice little, ooh, this is cool, six months, no interest rate. But don't be dumb. Don't be naive. Don't rack up more than 30% of that credit card because then guess what? On that seventh month, if you had no way to pay down those $2,000, now you're paying interest on $2,000. And your interest rate that you get on a credit card, it always depends on what your credit score is. So if you're an amazing person with great credit score, then you'll probably have over a 700 credit score, 720, 730. And it goes all the way up to 850, I believe. I could be wrong. I swear I've seen a 900 somewhere. Um, but it, it goes high. So, but 700, if you can be at 700, you're essentially in a great place. And creditors love 700. Anything below 700, you still qualify and it's still a good score, but it's good. It's not great. Over 700, I believe. I'm not sure the exact number, but I'm pretty sure over 700, like 710, I want that's great. And they love 700s, right? And then so imagine what an 800 or a, a nine, you know, 850 would. I mean, that is like, man, you get go to American Express, apply for that black card at that point because he's about to get approved. You know what I'm saying? I mean, whoo! Um, so that's how interest rate works. Same thing 
with, um, you know what, before I move into car loans, let me say one more thing about those credit interest rates. Credit interest rates can be as low as 0% for an, an, a promotional period, but standard, I've never seen a credit card lower than 8%. And that's because, damn, you have flawless interest, I mean, flawless credit score and credit report. But the um, basics that I've seen is like 12 15, 18%. So I would say maybe like 12 to 18% is like a standard range. If you can get 12%, amazing. But I say most of the time I've seen people with 15, 16, and then 18%. So that's the standard. So if you're getting a credit card whose interest rate is more than that, that should be a red flag to you of one, maybe you shouldn't get that credit card or two, what is wrong with your credit score, your credit report that they are charging you such a high interest rate. That means you're doing something wrong and you need to work on building up that credit score. Or third reason might be that they're just scamming you and they're just taking you and then it's either you get it or you don't, you know, and that's how they get people. People don't look into interest rates as much as I thought they would, but you got to, you got to look at the interest rate because that means every month when you have to pay your monthly payment, they're going to tack on, say, 18% interest rate to whatever the balance is when the cycle closes, the billing cycle closes on your credit card. So let's say my billing cycle, meaning the time that stops and then they'll calculate interest rates based on that day is the 31st, right? Because my payment is going to be due on the 10th or something. Uh, the 31st, the billing cycle closes. Then what that means is that from that date, they look at what your balance is. So let's say it's $2,000 at 18% interest rate. Then they'll tell me, hmm, okay, 18% interest rate on $2,000. And I'm horrible right now, but I would say it's $36. Uh, no, that's per hundred. So you know what? I ain't going to even try to do the math right now because I'm just going to sound like an idiot like I just did right now. <laughs> But essentially what it is, is they'll calculate that interest rate, factor it into your monthly payment. So let's say your payment is $200. And this is a complete example, okay? Don't try to do the math because it's horrible. But $200 monthly payment at an 18% interest rate, that means that you are probably, whew, if your monthly payment on a credit card is $200, damn. That means you have a balance of over like seven, eight thousand dollars. I have to say, uh, but I would think that the interest rate would probably be like a hundred and thirty-five, a hundred and forty dollars, and then the rest of that two hundred dollar payment, so the sixty dollars that is left, is actually going to the principal of the balance. Meaning the principal means the actual amount that you owe. So if I owe two thousand. $60 of it will get paid down. So now it will say $1,940 because even though you made a $200 payment, only 60 of it actually went to the balance. The other $140, right, went to interest that they're charging you for lending you that credit card and that money. That's how it works and that's why it sucks. And that's why you always want to stay below 30%. Because honestly, if, if you can just use your credit card and then pay it off, that's the ideal approach. But obviously, I can't even do that. If I use my credit card, I'll pay it off eventually. I'd say within the next three months, I'm paying off what I had used, right? So 
I mean, but this, like, there's just so much into it. And, and again, don't calculate the math on that example because it is not a $200 monthly payment for a $2,000 balance. It was just, hypothetically speaking, just, just go with me, okay? Um, but my point is you're paying so much interest. That's how credit companies stay rich because y'all are paying them every single month a lot of money for what you have borrowed, so that's why I don't recommend credit cards, but it is essential to build up your credit report that I say if you're going to need a credit card for those reasons, get one, but stay below 30% of the of the credit limit they give you and whatever you use, pay it off every month. So if you use $1,000, pay that off. If you use 200, pay it off. If you use 50, pay it off. And your credit score is just going to go boom, 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 like up, 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 because you are showing that you have a great track of using your credit card, but then paying it off. So you're not in debt. So then your debt to income ratio looks amazing as well. I mean, so again, there's so many factors that go into it. And the same thing goes for a car note. So if you go to get a car, um, your your the sticker price that that dealerships will show you is not what you'll ultimately end up paying. That's just the sticker price of the car, meaning that's what they're asking. However, there's still state taxes, there's still um, uh, registration fees, and then sometimes they even charge you the dealership fees. There's a lot of fees that then get added to it, and then you're talking $3,000 to to $6,000 plus, and then that's your grand total. However, never think that it's non-negotiable. I mean, unless you're going to CarMax. CarMax is a non-negotiable place because they're like sticker prices are competitive. They don't want to have to deal with the haggle of, yeah, what do you think of this? No, 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 come down a little bit. No, 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 no. So they leave it at a sticker price that is just ready to go, non-negotiable because it is a good, fair price. So that's the difference between like CarMax versus other dealerships. Now, other dealerships, the way I see it, it's always negotiable. I don't care if they tell me, oh, it's not negotiable. Oh, we can't do that. My husband and I have become great negotiators. I mean, you should see us. I really wish maybe I had like a GoPro one day when I go negotiate because, and it's not to be conceited because we were not like this. It took years. And my husband and I trade in cars probably every once once a year or once every other year. We're trading in a car for another car because one, it is a tax deduction come tax return season. But then also because it's generally we're like, eh, we're over this car. And I mean, if you can do it, do it, right? <laughs> it's not that great. Don't don't get in the habit of doing that, though, because you do build up negative equity and when you trade in a car. And then that negative equity gets added to your new car loan. And that's what you don't want. That's a horrible strategic move. However, there is a smart way to do it. And we can always talk about that. If you guys are interested, let me know. And we can, we can do a whole podcast episode on car note negotiations. But essentially, you get a car note. You see the sticker price. Don't forget there's going to be taxes. There's going to be registration fees. And then they're going to pull your credit. I hate, 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 hate getting my credit ran at a dealership. Here's why. They tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, fill this out. We're going to see if you qualify. They run your credit through, I have, oh, my God. Like, I've never seen them run my credit through minimum three different 
uh, finance, financial institutions. It is insane. And then it pops up in my credit report months later that I had 10 inquiries just to get that car. That irritates the crap out of me. And I hate that they do that. So I do not like to give them my social security number until I know I want that car for sure or not. Because every time somebody runs your credit score, you get deemed a, a notification. It's a hard credit, um, a credit inquiry, meaning it gets deemed as like one inquiry. It's not good to have more than two and they don't fall out until two years later. So if I had, I went to go get my credit ran in this year, 2021, it would not fall off my credit report until 2023. And so those are things you also have to keep in mind. They aren't huge. They honestly don't drastically affect your credit score. But I just don't like knowing I'm above average. That's just personally how I am. Now, there is a workaround to that, though. So if you don't know, you don't have to go to just a dealership to get qualified to purchase a car. Did you know you could go to your bank? Let's say your bank is, for example, for me, let's just say Chase. Chase is my bank. I can go to Chase and say, hey, Chase, I'd like, I see that you guys have great uh, auto interest rates right now. Um, can I apply for, for a loan? What they'll do is they'll run your credit. They see how much one you qualify, if you qualify, and what your interest rate would be according to the terms of the contract. So it when you get a car, you can either get a car loan for a specific amount of time. You can do 60 months, which is five years. You can do a three-year, which is 36 months. You can do a, a, a four-year, which is 48 months. No, wait. Man, I'm not even... I'm going crazy with my math. 37, yeah, 48. Then you can do a 60-month, which is five years. A 72-month, which is six years. And then an 84-month, which is seven years. Now, the standard that most people go with is 60 and 72-month terms, meaning you're doing a five-year or a six-year term on this loan. By extending the time frame and the length of your loan, you get a smaller car note, obviously, because now you're adding more months to be able to pay it down. That's the upside. The downside is that the longer term you get on a loan, the higher the interest rate goes. So, for example, if I were to get a 36-month loan at the credit score, let's say I have... uh, uh, let's just say 700, right? Because that's a good number. If I had a 700 credit score and I want to do a 36-month loan, depending on what credit institutions are offering great new auto loan interest rates, I could probably qualify for a 1.5% interest rate. That's amazing. However, 36 months to pay off a car that costs $50,000, let's just be hypothetical here, that's probably going to be like, and I would say like an $800 car note every month. Again, don't judge me on my math, okay? I'm just being hypothetical and just going with the whim here. But you're going to have a high car note is what I'm trying to say because you have a shorter amount of time to do it and it, the car is expensive. But let's say I want to do a five-year loan. Now my, my car note price will probably jump somewhere like to the end of a 600 a, uh, like a 650 to 725 car note. That's just my thinking. And then your interest rate though, because you've now extended to, 
to a five-year term will now go up. So instead of getting that amazing 1.5%, it's now going to be a 2.25% interest rate. Still not bad, but it's not as great as the three-year loan, right? And then so on and so forth. So the longer the term, the higher the interest rate. But that brings me to interest rate with cars. You guys, the standard range you should stay in when you get a car loan. I I personally have a rule of thumb and you can adopt it if you want, but I always say 3% lower or max 3.5% interest rate on my car loan. I'm not going to go to 4%. If you're going to really try to pitch me anything above 3.5%, bye. Bye, Felicia. I ain't doing business with you because I know how good my credit score is and I know what I'm doing that you're not going to play me and tell me I don't qualify. Then I'll go to my bank. I'll go to a federal credit union and I'll get me a damn good interest rate. Come back and just buy that car with a check. Right. And and that's where I was getting to with going to the bank and asking them for an auto loan. What's that? They'll tell you all of this stuff and then they'll tell you, okay, here's the check. For let's say you qualified for the $50,000 you applied for, here's a check for $50,000. Go buy yourself your car. And then essentially, you walk into that car dealership, you can still negotiate the price you're willing to pay for it. So let's just say they're asking $21,000, or we asked for a $50,000 loan. Let's say we're looking at a car and it's, um, they're asking $50,000, but you know you need to add on taxes and registration fees and all that is going to accumulate that you going to pass your 50,000, I would say, look, I need the car to be sold to me at 43,000. And, um, and then eventually they're going to go, hell no, that's $7,000 down from what we're asking for it. And the way I negotiate is look, I mean, I'm telling you guys, I've learned a lot about cars. If you can look online, it tells you how long that car has been on their lot. And if it's been on their lot more than 60 days, I mean, you have a lot of room to negotiate there. And I'm not lying. I've learned all of these little tricks. So I will look before I go to a dealership, how many days that car has been on the lot. If it's only been on the lot for, let's say, 15 days, they're not really, I'm not going to have a lot of wiggle room to negotiate. I won't go to dealerships um, in the middle of the week because the weekend is their big sale period. So I always wait till a Sunday or maybe even a Monday to go and purchase a car because now I know if they didn't meet their sales quota that weekend, guess what? Room for negotiation. If they didn't sell as many as they anticipated, guess what? Room for negotiation. So it is a strategy. And all of this was not taught to me by my mama. All of this was me literally like just doing it and learning um, we got scammed. My husband and I, we've been scammed at least the first five years of our marriage. We were scammed with cars and negative equity and we were just naive and we just didn't know. But now that I know, let me tell you, I walk in there. I have a serious face. I ain't playing around with you. <laughs> and I feel like I'm rude, but I tell them, look, I'm going to be transparent with you. And this is me talking to the dealership rep. This is the monthly payment I'm looking for. 
I don't want anything higher than this interest rate. And that's only if I'm financing through them. If I've already gone to my bank, I don't even mention like interest rate. This is what I'm looking for. I have a trade in. I already know I'm negative, but I ain't going to pay more than this. I don't want more than this added to my new loan. And then I'll tell them I'm only willing to pay this month. This is what I want my monthly payment to be. And honestly, that's not up to them either, If especially if I finance through a credit or like another banking institution, but I still tell them so that they have an idea. And then they'll tell me I'm crazy. Generally, like 75% of the time where I'm transparent that way, they already think, <laughs> this girl is dreaming she is not getting that. But let me tell you, of all that laughing I get, the negotiation, if I really want a car... I have to say 50% of the time, I walk away with exactly what I wanted. Now, 50% might not seem a lot to you, um, but it is to me. And this is why sometimes you just, they're just jerks and they will not budge. And that's fine. I'm calling them jerks. <laughs> they're just, you know, maybe they just didn't want to like sell that car in the lot that bad. And I'm like, fine. It's, you know what? It just wasn't meant to be. I'm going to keep looking and I'm going to find something that fits my needs, but never let the dealers or the dealerships pressuring you in buying something right now, right now, because it's not going to be available later. Or this, um, this great offer just, it's, it's not going to be valid. And, and the next day, like, don't let them pressure you because that's when you make stupid, impulsive decisions. And that's what you don't want to do because the moment you sign that contract and you drive that car off the lot, you're essentially tied to it. There are ways to get out of it, but for the most part, you're tied to that contract and now you screwed yourself if they got you. So know the interest rate. Remember, a standard interest rate for a car should always be between 3 and 6%. Now, I have heard that if you don't have no credit, so if you're like an 18-year-old and you've never had a credit card and so you obviously have no credit score, no credit report, the, I mean... I haven't done enough research into it, to be honest, but I heard it was 15% minimum. Now, that sounds insane to me. I would never sign a contract with that high interest rate for a car. But you don't have any credit. I can understand why banks would be scared to lend you money for a car note. So I had to do more digging around for that before I, you know, opinionate on the matter. But that just seems ridiculous to me. That is insanely high, especially when my standard is 3%. That's my golden standard. However, you know, if you have, I remember when we had filed BK years ago, um, our, best interest rate that we got on a car loan had to have been like seven percent and we were like dang that is high but we needed to take the blow of the of the interest rate because we needed to build back our credit and then we figured you know what in a few years once we show them that we're not those same young idiots we were it'd be obviously our credit score was hella low if you've never filed bankruptcy before let me tell you it affects you for 10 years and it affects your credit it affects your credit history it, it affects your credit reputation nobody wants to lend you money after a bankruptcy because they scared they ain't never gonna get their money back and for good reason because that's a essentially what happens. So 
You always want to make sure you're looking at an interest rate when you're getting a car, how much the car is worth. Obviously, do your do your research. If they're asking this much, go on KBB.com, which is KellyBlueBug.com. Go look at their Carfax report at Carfax.com. See if they've been in any accidents, if there's been any reports. Ask the dealership for the Carfax report. I mean, you have so much available at hand and so much you can ask for. You should know this stuff and you should totally ask for it have your dad have a male figure who knows about cars go with you if you're a female to look at this car top to bottom in the engine make sure there's no leaks I mean this is obviously for used cars um but my point is there's just so much more to than just going oh you were able to get me this car at the car note I wanted or you know what $500 doesn't sound bad for this a beautiful sports car let me tell you it's bad if you put money down and it went to insurance what the freak since when is $2,500 insurance that is just like what I've never even heard of that but I mean read the contract line by line and then the last piece of advice I have for you guys for car notes is always get gap insurance if you don't know what gap insurance is gap insurance is essentially an insurance that you buy that if you were to crash your car and for example, let's say you, and it's all on used cars and new cars, okay? You can buy it, whatever, uh, on any kind of vehicle. Gap insurance exists. And what it means is that essentially when you drive a car, let's say it's worth $25,000, but you owe $30,000 when, Lord forbid, you got into an accident and now that car has been totaled. Well, the car, the insurance will only pay you $25,000 because that's what it was worth, but you owe $30,000. So what's, what's, what's going to happen with those extra $5,000 that you still need to pay off this auto loan for? Well, guess what? You're going to be responsible to pay that additional $5,000 to, to, excuse me, to clear yourself from this auto loan. And gap insurance what they do is they come in and go, okay, you owed $5,000? Cool. Here's the check for the additional amount the insurance didn't cover, and now you're squared away on your auto loan. That's what gap insurance is, and I get it on every single car. So I highly recommend that. Always get gap insurance when you get a car. Now, in terms of restoring your credit, you guys know that I filed for bankruptcy, right? It was super hard for me and my husband to build up our credit. One, because ain't nobody going to lend you money now, at least not for the first six months. I know that people say, oh, the first two years, but it was six months before we got a credit card. However, we got one with a hell of high interest rate. I'm talking like 25%. That is bananas. But we had to take the hit because we knew our credit score was like 500. <laughs> like bankruptcy hurts and it sucks and I never want anybody to be there. So if I can help you with some financial advice, this is this is my way of doing it. And um, so we, we had to take it. And let me tell you, we did not spend stupidly young and dumb anymore. We learned our lesson. And so we, we barely used it. And if we did, we paid it off. And we slowly and gradually built up a better credit score. I won't even say it was good, but it was better than 500. And then from there, we ended up eventually getting a new car note. And again, we took the hit on the interest rate, but we thought, okay, we got to really build it up, show banks that we're responsible now. And that's how we did it. And over time, I mean, now we have 
great credit scores because we worked our butts off because we learned a really hard lesson. Now, that doesn't happen with everybody, but let me tell you, the key to building back your credit is, one, prepare yourself because it ain't easy. Two, it ain't going to happen overnight. I'm talking years. It took us years to recover. But you know what? Don't lose the drive knowing that there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel to work on your credit. Don't. I know so many people who have bad credit and they've kind of adopted this me vale verga attitude. And if you don't know what that means, that just means like, whatever, I don't care. Oh, well, it is what it is attitude. Don't adopt that attitude because then you're going to stay there. And then when you can't progress or succeed more in life because of your credit score, guess what? You ain't got nobody to blame but yourself because you didn't have the drive, the tenacity to kick yourself in the butt for being stupid and dumb in the beginning. And now guess what? Consequences. Now you got to clean up your mess. Fix it. Fix it. Fix it. Don't give up. Because it ain't going to be easy and nobody said it would. But this is why you need to ask questions before you do anything that involves taking out a loan or borrowing money from anybody. It's interest rates, you guys. Those are the killers. And then it's the the naiveness that people don't, you just don't think. And I was one of them. You just don't think. You, I didn't even know about credit utilization rate and that it was part of a credit report and how important your credit score was like all of this or all this car note stuff like all of this I learned and it is so crucial and we as parents and mamas and daddies we need to teach our kids this stuff so they don't go out there and make the same stupid mistakes we did because now they're gonna know now they're gonna know better now if they still make those same mistakes well now that's just because they idiots I mean straight up if you ain't listening to your mama you think fine you know what go out there make the mistake but when you're hurting I'm gonna really try hard not to say I told you so whoo I mean man you guys this is a lot more information than I thought I'd say I've only made it to car notes at this point I wanted to talk about 401ks now 401ks I'll talk on quickly 401ks are essentially a retirement fund that you um get either through your job or you can get it on your own if you get it through your job it's always nice because 95 percent of companies who offer 401k offer the opportunity to match so let's say i put six percent of my net income net meaning after taxes into um oh you know what no it's not net it's actually gross six percent of my gross income into my 401k Gross income is the money that you make before taxes, meaning taxes hasn't been taken out. Uh, net income is uh, what you're taking home after taxes. So that's your net. So your 401k money is taken out of your gross, meaning the money before taxes. Um, and essentially the highest or the standard is 6%. You can always pull out more money than that, but 6% is the standard rate. Um now, if you take out 6% out of your paycheck, every single paycheck, so let's say they're taking out $130 out of your, that's 6% of your paycheck to put into your 401k. What it's saying is that most companies will match half of that. So if I'm pulling out 6%, guess what? They're going to give me 3%. So if I put in $130, the company is going to pay me an additional 70 
or 65 sorry $65 so now I've made $195 that's how it works the tricky part though is that sometimes companies require you to be working with them for a certain amount of time before their portion, meaning that 3% that they're matching, vests. Now, what that means is that now it's yours. So essentially, it's, if let's say they say, hey, after the first year, um, 25% of what we've matched you will vest. And what that means is that of that 3%, and this is where it's tricky, and I wish I had a whiteboard, 25% of that would have vested after a year, meaning 25% of that 3% money is now yours and now is actually yours to to have even if you leave the job. So if you leave their job after a year, guess what? You got 25% of that 3% that's yours that you can take with you. Now, this is on top of what you put in. So they don't touch what you put in. That's yours. But the nice part is that they match you half of what you put in. So that's nice. However, watch out for the vesting um, clauses like 25% after the first year, 25% after the second year, another 25, 30 year. And then guess what? You get all of what has vested by the time you've been there for four years. This is how generally companies set it up because they want you to stay. They don't just want to just give you money and then you go, buy Felicia, and then you take all that money they've vested into you essentially. So there's a lot to learn, and I'm happy to answer any questions. If you guys want to know more about that, just message me on my Instagram, and then I can make maybe like a podcast specifically to and talk a little bit more of it. You know, whatever it is, message me on my Instagram page, Real Talking with Little Mama. Now, the next thing that I wanted to throw out there is, like I said, us as Latinos and growing up, we just don't teach our kids enough. They they go out, and then they're naive. So, because all of this has hit me fairly recently, I don't want my kids to be like that. So I, my husband actually is on board with me, which is great, which is why I love him. We agree so much with how we want to raise our kids that he has really started to look into ways our son can understand certain things. Now, in sixth grade, my son actually, his math teacher, or actually it was one teacher, he wasn't in a like junior high schedules it was one teacher she was genius she want she felt that kids just didn't know enough about money and responsibility she created this whole program at the second half of the year that gave kids a job now it wasn't real it was for fake that paid them on a weekly basis so she would pretend to give the money into their bank accounts and again all of this is fake um, but they were responsible for doing the duties around the classroom that fulfilled their job requirement, right? So one was like a police officer. You had to go and make sure that you regulated everybody. So like if somebody left trash on the floor, you had to, you know, write them up a ticket because they didn't, you know, they littered, stuff like that. So she found a really clever way to integrate it into a sixth grade class. But what was genius was at the end of every month, she had them pay bills. You, They had to pay utility, their cell phone bills, their gas bills. And this was based off of the fake money they earned. They had to learn how to manage it to pay their bills on a monthly basis. And then they had spending money. And by spending money, she allowed them to buy really cute things within the classroom. But she didn't tell them no. So if they didn't know how to manage their money right and they overspent, guess what? They would fill it that next month. 
Her job wasn't to make sure they didn't mess up. Her job was to teach them to see what their judgment was. And then if they messed up, guess what? They're going to learn their lesson. But the great part of all of this was that they'd learn it with fake money. But with the understanding that this happens in real life, so you need to be smart with your money. It, it was such a genius concept. And then the final thing that she did to kind of close this program up with the kids was she actually took them to Albertsons, and which wasn't far. So, like, they walked to the closest Albertsons, and she had them grocery shop as as team so you had like two kids uh, they paired up I believe it was and then obviously parents were there to supervise and she told them here's your grocery list this is how much money you have now go around the store and you tell me what you can afford from this grocery list if you can't afford everything on this grocery list figure out with your team member what you can afford to leave behind what is not essential oh my gosh I loved this concept. My son learned so much from doing this type of program. He learned responsibility. He understood now how much dad and, and, and me pay every month just to live in a home with utility bills. Like it was such an eye opener and I can't thank her enough because it was genius. He learned how to write a check. He learned about, I mean, it, it was amazing. And because of that, and then recently with what happened in my own, you know, family, it was like, oh, no, I need my son to know more. I'm not going to I don't have to tell him my business because like I, my mama, it was none of my business. I'm going to tell him, don't worry about it. It's none of your business. However, it is my business to make sure he don't walk out in this world naive and not knowing. So we're talking to him about interest rates, which to be honest, he already learned from this amazing program. The sixth grade teacher ran with them. But now we're telling him, hey, it's a part of this too. And the interest rates are here and interest rates are there. And we're opening up his eyes to understand that it is far more than from a classroom. But in real life, it, it touches everything. And so I have to say my my now seventh grader, he's a smarty. I, I have to say he knows more about finances than most kids his age but not necessarily because of me but because of what that teacher taught him it was that's how great of a lesson it was and so my my advice to latino parents mamas and daddies and just anybody you know regardless of your nationality teach your kids we ended up my husband like i said was helping me like what can we do we recently allowed him to buy something big however obviously we paid for it and I told him, okay, you're going to make monthly payments to me to pay this off. And he's like, well, how am I going to make money? I said, well, if you don't know how you're going to make money, then I ain't going to buy it for you. And then he came up with a plan. He's like, okay, mom, I'm going to wash cars on the weekend. Dad said if I wash his car every weekend, he'll pay me $10, which to me is absurd because I don't even want to pay my kid money to wash my car. Like that's just a tax for living here and being blessed with all the stuff in your room. But nonetheless... I'm compromising with my husband to teach my son responsibility. So every week he'll wash a car for $10. And then if he does it every weekend in a month, that's $40 a month. And I told him his monthly payment to me for his. And let me read. Let me tell you this thing that he bought is a luxury item. Okay. It's not. I'm not making my kid pay me for his shoes and clothes. This is a, in, a fun thing that he wanted. And that is costly. But it is going to help him in the future. 
it is going to help him with his future because it's going to help him to code and he wants to become an app developer. So um, who am I to crush my kid's dream? I'm here to support him and this is how I'm doing it. So I'm making him pay me monthly payments. Now, I didn't have to. I could have just given him the thing. But you know what? I need to teach him responsibility. And I'm not just going to give him everything he wants just because he wants it. So he has to earn it. He's going to have to know. I had to wash the cars until I paid it off. I even told him, look, son, what happens in real life if you don't pay your monthly payments? Guess what? If you get a car, they repossess it. That means they take it back. I, they're not going to just let you have a car without paying them the car note every month. This was something you signed as a contract. You're going to be responsible. You're going to get it paid. So I told him, you don't pay it. Guess what? I'm going to repo that product that you that I'm lending you money for. And guess what? I told him, I hope you do. I said, because I really want it. It looks really cool. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, kidding. But I did tell him, I'll repo it. And you ain't going to get it back. I said, because if you're signing on to do this and you're making me lend you the money, I said, you got to be responsible to keep up at your job to make sure you can make your monthly payments to me. Now, he's only 12, but guess what? He's super excited about it. Like, I did feel a little bit messed up because some of my family members are like, dang, that's messed up. I would have just bought it. Well, guess what? I don't want to spoil my child. I need to teach him lessons. The other thing that they have available for kids that my husband looked into and we got was a kid's credit card. Not a credit card. Let me rephrase that. A kid's bank card. So it's essentially a card that my son can have on him. And if he's ever in need of cash, like let's say after school or whatever the reason and we're not around, all I have to do is transfer money into his account and he can use it. But it's a kid account. So I can control where he spends, how he spends, just to make sure he's managed right however I'm not gonna micromanage him like that I'm gonna let him you know that's where my husband is gonna send him his ten dollars a month and then whatever extra money he has will be available to him and he can use that how he wishes whether he wants to save up for another goal or he wants to save it and let's say he's out and about somewhere and he wants to spend his money go ahead that's your card but just remember you gotta make your monthly payment to me don't forget it. That's priority. So there's so many things out there is what I'm trying to tell you guys that can teach our kids to be better and know before they're launched into this world of all this financial stuff that we just don't teach them. And it's so crucial because it's going to affect us at one point or another. So my my last teaching there was get your kids in the know. You don't have to tell them your finances, but you can teach them how to write a check, how to put gas in your car, how much gas costs, why gas costs, what it costs. You know, how is it compiled? It's compiled with a lot of state taxes on top of what the original price is. That's why California taxes rates are so freaking high. I mean, but you get my point. There's way to teach your kids, please teach them so that they know and they don't make the same mistakes we made and don't be like the parents and hide your trash teach your kids responsibility teach them about interest rates teach them about your car note you don't have to tell them the exact amount of what yours is but they can at least understand it so that when they're there they at least have a concept of what they need to understand when they go all right you guys I really hope you guys learned something. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I was talking fast, but wow, there is just so much more to this than I anticipated before I started the, the, the show. Um, so if you guys want another session or if you guys have any questions about anything I said, feel free to message me at my Instagram at Real Talking with Little Mama. 
I hope you guys have a great weekend. Have a blessed week. I'll see you next Friday. DJ, drop that beat. But wait, wait, wait. Before you lose yourself in this banging beat, don't forget to go follow me at Real Talking with Little Mama on Instagram. Don't forget to follow, subscribe to this podcast, you guys, so you guys are up to date with all the latest and the greatest. Okay, let's get back. <laughs>